And you got to keep fighting the feeling, the doom and gloom feeling. The doom and gloom feeling. And you got to keep fighting the feeling. Doom and gloom feeling. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of It's Never Sunny in Seattle. We're happy to be bringing you premium Seattle Mariners content once a week. So when your coworker sees you tomorrow and tells you Matt Brash should be cut from the team, you can tell him, hey, uh, I just listened to a podcast and they said it's actually more complicated than that. And then everyone in the office is going to think you're so smart. I'm joined by the human embodiment of the Seattle Mariners. It's Mikey Ahedo. How was your week, Mikey? So hot. <laughs> yeah. It, it, would you say it's hotter than two rats fucking in a wool sock? Yeah. Yeah, actually, especially the past couple days, I'd say um, a little bit hotter than two rats fucking in a wool sock. It's got to be. Okay. And we're also joined by the human embodiment of doom and gloom. It's the one and only day. Day, do you have any strategies for beating the heat? I've been also complaining about the heat, and people have been questioning that because I'm from Hawaii. And I, I think I I think I figured it out. We skipped spring. We literally went from freezing to hot as hell. Like we didn't even have a chance to get used to warming up. Like we didn't have a thaw period. You don't cook frozen meat. You know what I mean? Excellent point. So I'm the frozen meat in this analogy? I actually did. I did cook some. Not frozen, but I, I tried to. I tried to thaw it and I didn't fully thaw it and tried to cook it. It was. It was very mid. That's like of my mom when I was a kid asking me to thaw out like a chicken or something before she got home from work. Oh, and then I dude, didn't. Yeah. So I just like put it in boiling water 10 minutes before she got home and then she cooks it. And she's like, why does this taste like shit? <laughs> fucking running. You guys ever run the fucking hot water on it too? To like, hurry up. Yes, that's exactly what I did. I think we all did. I think, I think this is a core experience that everyone has. Like... <laughs> <laughs> fucking hot water dude and you see the it's like oh the blood too much blood's coming out no <laughs> it, it never worked it never worked <laughs> okay well before we start talking baseball which is what we are all here for uh want to make sure i cover a few housekeeping items please join our discord it's growing every day we have a lovely community of people that love to talk about baseball love to talk about mariners baseball sometimes we get into some friendly debates but it's okay it's all good spirited everybody hugs at the end it's a great place to uh, get your thoughts off about the mariners and also if you really love the mariners and you really love the pod please consider supporting us on patreon uh, that's at patreon.com slash never sunny in seattle Every dollar you donate goes to making sure we are not eating uh, unthawed meats. Okay, so uh, just one quick thing I want to bring up before we get into Mariner stuff. Uh, I talked to my mom today. No. And yeah, yeah. So I talked to my mom today and she just casually brought up like, oh, I listened to your show. 
And <laughs> my first instinct was like, oh my God, did I say something that's going to be bad for my mom to have heard on the show? And no, she actually had no comment on the quality of the show, anything <laughs> about me, anything I said. <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing she was concerned about, she was enamored with Day. She was like, who is that third guy that I've never met? And she just wanted to know all about Day. So I was like, Mom, I'm your son. But in a concerned way? No. Like, the curiosity, but also, like, she remembered that you said that you're... <laughs> okay, this is even worse. She said that she remembered you said your brother played college baseball, and she just wanted to know about your brother's college baseball career. So... My mom, you know, on the hierarchy of my mom's concerns. Yo, that's that's my that's my core demographic usually. <laughs> Is moms? Yeah, I think I'm I'm pretty uh, what you would call brand safe. I don't know, Day. I saw your Twitter last week. I was gonna say <laughs> at least publicly. <laughs> I think I got shadow banned. I think I got shadow banned from Instagram yesterday because I shared the DeFi wrestling clip. Oh, DeFi. DeFi. Oh my god, I'm a fucking fan. I'm a fan. But it, it was very bloody. And I will say most of the my ugh, I can't take credit for this joke. My my brother pointed out that most of the fan base look like uh Paul Dano. Ooh. And I could not get that out of my head while I was there. No offense, uh DeFi wrestling fans, but y'all have a specific look. I, I, I fuck with it though. I, I the vibe was really good and it was energetic the crowd was into it the wrestlers were like actually doing cool shit there was blood it felt very uh early age ecw it was dope i love DeFi. i'm so glad you went and you had a good time next time you're gonna post one of those videos on your instagram you gotta pop the uh, black and white filter on that bad boy because they are going to get upset yeah, no, I had a couple of DMs being like, yo, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and I, I, I deleted the bloody one like, like an hour. Not because uh, I was scared of getting shadow banned, but also, you know, I, I guess, yeah, not, not everybody loves blood. So we can't just skip past. Your mom didn't say anything about me being on the pod. Wait, wait, wait is there, is that bad? Mikey, are you like her second son? I think no. my mom knows to steer clear of the topic of Mikey. <laughs> like she, she keeps him at a ten foot distance at all times. Does not acknowledge your existence. She was like, "Who's that other guy you do the show with?" I was like, "Mikey." She's like, "No." <laughs> okay, I okay. <laughs> I don't need to get into it. Are you going to talk about why? Yes, one of the last times I saw. <laughs> His mom. <laughs> I think we were in early, early college. <laughs> Dude, I can't believe you're doing this to yourself. Uh. And one of a friend of me and Dustin were shirtless. <laughs> and his mom walked in. Oh God. My mom walked that's in on Mikey beating it, dude. That's a fucking <laughs> no, that's, don't fucking say that. I, well, I cut that. I cut that. <laughs> do not. Do not cut it. Dude, my face. My face is hot just thinking about it. 
Dude, I'm telling you, mothers have seen some weird shit involving Dude. like kids' friends. Dude, the worst part was she didn't acknowledge it. Until this day, she refuses to acknowledge you. I mean, she. I, I. I hope she's not listening to this, but she never liked me. I've known Dustin since preschool. <laughs> and so that, I think, really was Damn, it's not personal. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so that's enough. Damn, so she talk. already didn't like you before the shirtless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. She did acknowledge it, but just when you were in the other room, she walked up to me and was like, True. your friends need to leave. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's enough. That's <laughs> enough digging up. Um childhood trauma for one episode uh shall we move into what's up mom uh, what's up mom i welcome you to you know to to this side of the trio she already turned the episode off when she heard mikey recounting that story <laughs> my <Okay>. trauma <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna move into the mailbag we're gonna try something a little bit different this episode we're gonna bump the mailbag up to the front of the episode try to make it kind of a quick fire thing so uh, the first question we're going to talk about today, Pork Chisel asks, with the news that uh, Preylander will be a reliever, I'm wondering why we never see a Mariner reliever pitch multiple innings. It's hard to argue with the results, and maybe this is our secret sauce, but Brash was a starter and could easily pitch multiple innings, right? So if I could redirect this question a little bit, it sounds like the main focus is why do we rarely see Mariner relievers pitch multiple innings especially relative to other teams where we see a, a long reliever or mid reliever go two three innings um do either of you have any explanation behind this i don't know if anyone remembers chris Davinsky. he is maybe like really one of the few relievers like ever that the astros had him going he was really dominant for like one year maybe two years uh, had him going multiple innings. He was he was super good. Uh, we have a very well worn path of of uh, knowing how to deploy relievers, how to relatively speaking keep them healthy. So I think it has a lot to do with timing. Um, it's a lot harder to, you know, if you imagine a, a starter who has the capacity to throw thirty to forty innings and obviously you're not gonna have him go multiple innings every time but it there's just more noise um and so i think it's just harder to to get him like consistent work too so i feel like that's kind of like kind of part of it i think it's more valuable to have a guy go two days in a row maybe three days in a row uh with only one rest day as opposed to a guy that you know, if he's throwing more pitches, he's probably going to need, you know, like starters get four days of rest. So I think it allows you a lot more flexibility in your bullpen. And I think the last part is the Mariners bullpen's really good. Uh, you don't really need Matt Brash to go two innings. You can kind of just have him let it rip. And then even when you dip into the like deeper into your bullpen, like one ten. Turns out it's pretty good. Like Taylor Saucedo, I think they claimed off of waivers in, in January. He's been nails. So I, I think it's those two things. And, you know, 
pitchers are also the best when they're pitching the least. So I, I think that has to do with it. The, like those two things. It's a copycat league. The Rays have been doing it for a little while, unless it's Josh Fleming pitching. Yeah, it's it's worked for them. I think they're one of the better managed bullpens, in my opinion. And it's been working for us. It, it also feels good to feel like every reliever is almost always available, to Mikey's point. It's like, if everybody only pitches one inning no matter what, you rarely have, like, arms that are that like that one really long game we had we had to use a lot of arms like a week ago i think we went to that game anyway it was like the worst game to have that happen because we technically needed arms to rest but they still were able to pitch because they weren't coming off of like two inning 40 pitch nights okay that's an excellent point so if i'm understanding you two correctly it sounds like Ultimately, it just gives you more bullpen versatility, and it might even make it harder for the opposing team to predict and scout for and game plan for what relievers they're going to see if on any given day, technically, all of our relievers are available. And they might only go a couple innings, but that's harder to game plan for because you can't just rule out like, oh, you know, 110 through three innings last inning, or uh, last game so we know he's not going to be available and we can we can rule that out yeah i think that's that's probably correct and we'll see if that trend continues going forward but yeah i think you guys hit the nail on the head did brash brash started out as a multi-inning reliever right mikey i actually don't so that was what i had you know kind of in my head and i'm just gonna click through his game log right now um, I think actually, if we look at last year, aside from his starts, he went more than one inning pitched three times the whole year, which is not a lot. So I think we we've kind of historically talked about him like a multi inning pitcher, but he's he's really not. Um, and I think part of that is the way that they use him, the way that they deploy him. But um, yeah, I think again, you know, it makes it makes sense to to have Matt Brash available to you know, to, to pitch multiple days in a row rather than letting him go out and throw two or three innings. Okay, next question. Kev asks, who is your favorite bad Mariners player in the DePoto era and why? I'm going to go ahead and let Day start this one. I feel like Day is like a sommelier for bad Mariners. You know what I mean? He has exquisite taste in bad Mariners, and I feel like you probably have a great answer for this. There's a lot of these guys, to your point. Like Diego Castillo. Fucking love that guy. He's been a pretty overall shitty Mariner, right? He's had moments, but... Eh. Who else? Um, Jesse Winker was pretty iconic. Ooh, yeah, that's a great one. His year in Seattle is pretty fucking memorable, man. Like, we'll always remember Jesse Winker. And he's, he's only played one season. And he's he's like part of Mariner lore. Yeah, the fight with the Angels, that'll go down in history. Like, it doesn't matter how good his season turned out. Um, what really happened in the locker room? Do players love him? Do they hate him? Yeah. Oh, yes. As a I agree. complete aside, guess what his WRC plus or F4 is thus far? I'll take it. Oh, this year? Yeah. Ooh, okay. WRC plus... Oh, God, I know he started the season hot. I haven't been keeping up. I'm going to assume he probably cooled down because I haven't heard about him. 
Um, I'm going to guess the WRC Plus is 98, and the F4 is 0.7. Uh, Day, what's your guess? Uh, that, but one down. You're going to prices right me on this? <laughs> yeah, dollar and, me? And, and he won. <laughs> because... Yeah, you, you Jonah Hilled me, so I had to prices right you. <laughs> His WRC Plus is 80, which is 28 points lower than last year. And his F4 is negative 0.3. So, oh, no. I very, very openly have said I'm pretty sure he's going to have a good year. Uh, He's not at all. His projections are all right, but. He started off the Brewer's second hitter, I believe. And he has now become a platoon player. At best, he is he is wearing a very sweet necklace made by his daughter. But anyways, uh, turns out the Mariners made a good decision there. Um, so day you sounds like Winker is your choice. Yeah, I mean, it's so recent though. Yeah, I want somebody like I don't know. I keep thinking about players who like bloomed after they left, and I feel like that's too easy. You know, like Mark Trumbo. Trumbo, dude. No, he hit well here. Yeah. I almost picked Mark Trumbo, but I thought he was too good. Yeah, I mean, but he was... Well, he hit a lot of dingers. That was it. Well, I mean, if he didn't, he wouldn't be iconic, you know? But he, I wouldn't say he was, like, a good player. Like, he wasn't an all-star. He hit 13 dingers for us with a 105 WRC+. And that's in 96 games. I mean, I, I think this award is probably named after Jesus Montero. Mark Trumbo left Seattle and then hit 47 dingers with the Orioles in 2016. That's what I, I, I'm telling you. I'm, he wasn't anything here, but he was going for the home run crowd after us. And then he was so mid. Let's call it Trumbo. Montero gets too many awards already. <laughs> That's true. Okay, Mikey, what is your pick for the Mark Trumbo Award for best worst <laughs> player in the Jerry DePoto era? I thought about going Pat Vendetti, who was ambidextrous and threw from both sides. Um, but I didn't actually like. Dude, by default, that's not a bad player. Like, he was not. He's good, historic. Though. Yeah. But I, when he was here, I just really didn't like. Like, I, I wanted him to be super good, but he wasn't a player that I was, like, excited about, I guess. Like, he was super uninteresting, aside from that. Anyways, Rowanus Elias. Easy, easy, oh, easy pick for me. Love that guy, man. He's still around the league right now, right? Yeah, he pitched for us last year. Um, and then I... Th- I don't remember if he's on a minor league deal or something, but, yeah, he's he's... Uh, he's in the KBO. Mm. Uh, Following yeah. Chris Flexen's footsteps, at a boy. <laughs> uh, he's probably going to dominate there. I, I have a a picture of him. You know the like deal with it sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a. I don't remember. I think I don't remember if someone else did it or if I did it way back in the day. But there was a picture of him and Felix. I think playing the A's or the Rays or something, sitting up against like the fence just with hoods on and i put like the glasses over them and i think when dustin and i had a blog called sounding off blog um i think that i made that our twitter's profile picture for a long time 
Yeah, I love that picture. I'll post it. Um, <laughs> I'll post it in podcast banter. Yeah, please. No, that's an iconic picture. I love that, and I love Rowan Asilius. He's always been, you know, close to my heart. Uh, okay, I did. Can Can I guess yours? Yeah, sure, please. I I think one of you you might have forgot, but I think one of yours would be the bartender. Oh no! See. Uh, that's a great pick, and he is one of mine, but unfortunately not in the Jerry Depoto era. And when I was looking up players for this, that is a... Oh, he played? I was thinking of players that were, like, acquired yeah. during the uh, Depoto era. that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, because a lot of my faves definitely were more in the Jack Zarensic era when it comes to, like, bad, good players. Eric Thames would be a huge one for me. <laughs> If, My uh, number one pick if, for a street fight, by the way. Dude. Man, Holy he's just... Fuck. He is stacked. He is just like... He looks so fucking cool. You know what I mean? And he has a great smile. Like, anytime I've seen him interviewed <laughs> after the game, he is just like a dude I would want to hang out with. Like, he he just is charismatic. So, you know, honorable mention to... He was pretty Eric good Gaines. in Detroit. Oh, yeah. And he... I'm pretty sure he, like, set the home run record in the KBO or something. Like... Uh, he's had good stretches, but no, the, ultimately the player that I picked for this was Tim Beckham. And I don't have a great reason why you guys just get to think Who? about Tim Beckham now. Oh, they said Gordon Beckham. Uh, because Tim Beckham, Gordon has, Beckham too. Tim Beckham has one of the best like bat drops of anyone and bat mm-hmm. flips. Yep. That was a fun ass first half of 2019, 20. That's 19. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 19. Dude. Yeah. And he, he ended up finishing that season with a 99 WRC plus, you know, which is like fine. That's about league average. And he played a shit ton of games, like pretty much half the season and just had zero war, 0.0 war. <laughs> so it's committed to the pick. bit. Can I tell you, yeah. can you tell you one more? That's a hot take one that uh, these I love these that are gonna piss off people. It's D Strange Gordon, man. That was up oh. there for me too. It's D Gordon. I was thinking about it, yeah, yeah. So what is what's gonna piss people off? Is it that? Is it calling him bad that you feel like is gonna piss people off? Yeah, because yeah. D, D was yes. you know he was he was always below league average. Correct. So. I mean, I think it's kind of inarguable. I mean, yeah, literal definition. He was not good. Yeah. Uh, another player that was just always fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he was great for other reasons, but his play. Mm-mm. But an iconic player. Okay, we have a, one more bundle of questions that are semi-related before we get on to some other hitting topics. So first of all, Meow Mix asks. Explain in detail why you don't think the Lance Brozdowski take on Bryce Miller is reasonable. So um, maybe we should contextualize this with what that take actually is. Um, so let's see. From one tweet, he just said, um, well, I think just offhand, he just noted that the release is five inches lower on his sweeper than his four-seamer. Um, he does a lot of like breakdowns about pitcher stuff, which they're always pretty interesting. And Lance is really smart. Um, the next, the next write up from the the eighth 
Uh, he basically said, yeah, like once again, both of his sliders grayed out really well by stuff. And I trust stuff to tell me what a good pitch is or stuff plus and, and generally disregard re- release point variants. But he was basically like, yeah, maybe there's something to the, the cutter being released two, three inches lower than his fastball and the sweeper uh, five inches lower than uh, his fastball. Yeah. So the question is, why why don't you think that's reasonable? And actually, like Lance is is the person who initially tweeted that I've been, you know, citing this multiple times. But essentially, like Clayton Kershaw has said that hitters can't pick up the difference in release point variance if it's, you know, uh less than uh the difference in like uh what is it? Is it the radius? Is that what it is? The radius of three balls? No, the radius is half, right? God damn diameter. It. The diameter. Yeah. Um <clears throat> it's okay. <laughs> they can't pick up the difference of the diameter of of what's equal to three balls, which is like nearly nine inches. No one really does that. Um, and even then, like if you do that, you're probably dropping down on purpose, like Kershaw or like Rich Hill or like Rowan S. Elias. Um I think that hitters are good at picking up some things. Like, I I think that, yeah, sometimes pitchers will will actually tip their pitches. But I think that these things are, like, less common than we think. And I think it has a lot more to do with, like, are you, like, if you're throwing a changeup, like, are you you slowing your arm down when you throw your changeup? Because if so, like, yeah, hitter might pick up on that. But if it's just, like, a change in arm angle... I don't I don't think uh, uh, anyone is is picking up on that. Um and actually Lance says in this breakdown that he's heard the phrase does the breaking ball fit their throw frequently in conversations. So basically speaking to that like I I doubt he's, you know, I I haven't noticed him changing his arm speed or or doing any sort of weird thing with with his release. I think it just has to do with location. I think it's him just not hitting a spot, him not pitch tunneling per se. He's throwing a lot of gyro, you know, cutters, sliders, whatever you want to call it, in the zone, and that's not really where they play. So, you know, it hasn't mattered because his fastball is unreal. But, yeah, I just, I think that's not the answer for me. Like, that's not a compelling reason for me. And I'm not saying it's not the case, but I haven't seen it before. I see. Okay, that's something we can keep a close eye on as Miller continues to make more starts throughout the season, but uh, I'm inclined to trust you and trust Clayton Kershaw, of course, people with quite a bit of expertise when it comes to pitching, but uh, I think it's kind of a hard hurdle for me to clear to believe that hitters can't pick up on a difference of nine inches of elevation in an arm slot when a pitcher is throwing considering you know how finely their eyes are tuned to pick up on the spin of the ball and like much more subtle aspects of a pitcher's delivery like in my mind it it would be much harder to pick up a difference of five miles an hour in arm speed let's say so you know if if people with with experience say that that's the case I'll default to believing you, but that's something I would like to see a little bit more, um, you know, founded research on because it, it it just doesn't really 
pass the uh the the credibility test to me day do you have any thoughts on this send him to tacoma send him with mad brash <laughs> send suarez too oh boy save save your suarez takes for for a little later but just send them all down bryce miller man so we think he's gonna regress um i mean yes it there's no way he's going to have like a sub one ERA all season if that's kind of like your definition of regression. But no, I think what he's doing is totally legit. Um, you know, I I think I was just speaking like more broadly about the idea that um, that hitters aren't attuned to differences in release points. But no, I think it, even if they are, they clearly can't do anything about it. At least not yet. So uh, no, I I think Bryce Miller's here to say. All right, one more question about Bryce Miller before we move on. So Tombo asks, don't mean to jump the gun, but supposing that Bryce Miller continues to be a pitching god, who gets dropped from the rotation next season? Any thoughts? I mean, come on, right? Don't do it. That's your boy. Protect (laughs) him. Protect him. That's your boy. That's your boy. (laughs) Please. (laughs) This person. It... Dude, Tombo knew exactly what the answer was, and they just wanted to like force us. To say this Don't lie, loud. that's your boy. It's not him. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> someone's got to want Marco on an expiring deal, right? <laughs> wow, you betrayed him. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um... I think he's become a lot more interesting and actually like just looking at his pitch plots. I'm like, man, you seem like you're really commanding the ball, but yeah, fading the cutter and throwing more curveballs alone is enough to make me kind of interested in, in Marco. And he's like flirted with, you know, good showings and shit has had a couple good showings, but yeah, unless there's an injury, like I, I think you just like Emerson Hancock is ready now. Marco's not giving you that much. Like, yeah, maybe he's giving you bulk, but he's pretty much been he's 38th percentile in XERA. So Hancock time. Uh, Marco rolling out of bed in the morning is enough to make you interested in Marco. You love that guy. They've always said that Marco Gonzalez could roll out of bed and people could hit 300 off him. Now I'm realizing that most baseball players don't pay for the blue check. Ooh, okay. I am sensing a deep dive into what baseball players do and don't pay for the blue check. Ooh, you know what would be really cool is to, um, you know, do some sort of like analysis about the uh, the correlation between paying for the blue check and your uh, like ERA minus, let's say. And by really cool, I mean really lame and embarrassing the last time marco tweeted was in december and he was snowed in in Leavenworth. why does that seem like very marco gonzalez dude he really is what does that shirt say very boring he also made his own wine with his wife yeah man anyway you know we don't gotta spend too much time here i think dude marco's the clubhouse leader mikey there's they're not getting rid of him (laughs) You know that they've. I mean, they pretty much, you know, said JP 
is is one and and Robbie Ray apparently is like the team captain so like even though he was it seems like he's like kind of he's not falling out of favor it seems like you know people still like him plenty but does he uh, wear turtlenecks you think yes oh he looks like a huge turtleneck guy that's what I'm saying I respect that man I'm I'm a turtleneck guy myself so I feel like that's kind of like a connection we have like if we were to run into each other in the street we would just lock eyes and be like yo turtlenecks yeah he's the kind of guy that smiles with a hint of his tongue sticking out of his mouth (laughs) i'm not saying that metaphorically either he's literally smiling in every picture look he's doing it again what his tongue actually just like a little tongue like through the middle of his teeth like yeah i know what you mean like it's pressing like his tongue is like three sizes too big for his mouth so (laughs) when he smiles he can't help but like let it out Go to his Twitter and just click on media and scroll down. It's he has the tongue. Does he post a lot of pictures of himself? Uh, I'm just seeing Dave's retweet of Marco Gonzalez. <laughs> he snowed, snowed in and left words, man. <laughs> Any food drink recommendations, dude? This dude's a real guy. He's like a real Seattle. He's like, yeah, he's like, oh, Mikey, how dare you? Clubhouse leader. Oh. All he does is give us quality starts. I don't know about quality. Dude, his his literal bio says boring lefty because of you. Uh. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you know his bio says boring lefty? Damn, boring lefty that wears turtlenecks. That's like a guy after my own heart. And it says boring lefty goes eggs. He also went to a Washington-based school. He goes to Leavenworth. One of us, one of us, one of us. The more we talk about it, I feel like Marco just like needs to stay. No, but tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Did you know it said boring lefty? I'm pretty sure yes. Oh, I, I just found that out. I thought, I thought, I, I'm pretty sure it's because of you. <laughs> um, one last comment on this though i'm not so sure this is even going to be a problem because i don't know what robbie ray's timetable looks like for returning anyway it's like 14 months yeah so robbie ray got tommy john surgery there might not even necessarily be a spot in the rotation that needs to get dropped at least not imminently it sounds like at the start of next season not to be ages but isn't he too isn't he too old to get tommy john (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like what do what's our expectations of 1.2 seasons worth of bad robbie ray coming off of tommy john at in his mid-30s yeah i agree i, agree. I, I think we kind of just i think we're eating that loss man no i think he's gonna be beast I think he's going to come back to our own heart. You're a liar, dude. Uh, This is, see, this is so annoying because (laughs) nobody is going to come back and check Mikey on this in 14 months. No, we are. He's a liar. He's not even, he's, he's trolling us. There's no, there's no person on earth who thinks Robbie Ray is going to be good. Come get me. I'm going to put this prediction into my notes app in my phone with all your other predictions. And I'm going to come fucking hunt you down in 14 months. Be like, oh, remember when he said Robbie Ray was still going to be good? Put a calendar event in your phone. <laughs> yes, I love doing that. I'm so petty. I love doing that. Okay. He could be Justin Verlander, Dustin. I'll throw that out there. Late, late, late 30, 
Tommy John. He he could have just chose to go the R.A. Dickey route and just never repaired his UCL and just learn the knuckleball and just pitch a Cy Young year without a UCL period. Uh, thank you for that mailbag. Some very thought-provoking questions. Now it's time to get into some Mariners hitters. So things have been looking up for the offense after two solid series, but the fan base is still coming to grips with some notable underperformance from uh, some key parts of the Mariners lineup. And I think it's about time that we address these and see whether these underperformances are for real or if we can expect a bounce back. The first player that we need to address is Julio Rodriguez. We've been putting off the Julio Rodriguez conversation for quite a while on this pod because at, at least personally, I didn't see much of a benefit in, you know, dogging Julio when he was underperforming. He's still a young player. It's earlier in the season, but now that he's had a little bit of a bounce back, I think it's a good idea to do a, a little bit of analysis of his numbers. So, Mikey, what have you seen from Julio so far? Uh, have you seen anything that indicates he might uh, rise to a higher level as the season goes on? Hey, um, I think so. I'm looking at I'm looking at a couple things right now. The first thing is like his numbers are pretty much identical. Like uh, X Woba, if you're looking at you know last year on the whole. Xwoba is actually a few points higher. Xwoba Bacon's actually a few points higher. He is striking out two percent more. That's pretty much it. If you're looking at all of last year, sweet spot percentage also higher. I think when I look at his profile, I notice a, a couple things. One, the pop-ups have gone down, which is encouraging to me. Two. The barrels per plate appearance, which I tend to like more than per batted ball event, but it depends on what like what you're trying to look at. That's gone down, and his weak percentage has gone up a bit. All that is to say, I think he's mostly the same player. I do think that he's been pressing a bit. Uh, the biggest thing that I'm noticing is that his percentage of all batted balls that are pulled in the air, so pulled line drives or fly balls, has gone down from 14.7 to 11.2, which is actually like kind of a lot. And actually, I'll just I'll I'll try and uh, see where that ranks him in terms of uh, all hitters of you know the past uh, two years. That's like dropping from 300 to 417 out of 500 hitters that's like by probably 20 percent in terms of like percentiles um so that seems really significant and i i think you know that's something that maybe has to do with how pitchers are attacking him or or not i don't know so i don't know i tend to think that he'll be fine i'm looking at alex chamberlain's pitch leaderboard and like it seems like he's just been really unlucky I mean, even if you just look at his his savant stats, it's like okay, he's forty three points below. Like his woba is forty three points lower than his ex woba. Like, seems like bad luck. So I think it's it's a mix of bad luck and probably some pressing 
that has that's related to that. So that's I think that's kind of my my takeaway. Day, is there anything you've seen from Julio so far that uh, makes you either optimistic or pessimistic about the future of a season? And uh, what do you feel the the vibe is on the streets about Julio's performance so far? Did you see his post uh, running next to Kelnick? God damn it, dude. <laughs> You're just looking up everybody's like socials as we're talking about them. What do you mean looking up? This is ingrained in my head. Six days ago, he posted a picture <laughs> with him and Jared. And I've never felt happier about a post in my life. Yeah, it's so sweet, man. Those two are our guys, dude. And they're friends and they're homies. People need to chill, man. We fucking struck gold. Like, Kelnick's actually good. I know we're talking about Julio, but like eight weeks ago, we weren't sure. Now we know we have like two superstar, uh, not to jump the gun with Jared, but you know, potential superstar players. Nothing really adds to what Mikey said, but I think I think the vibes are kind of down overall because we can't quite break that 500 mark, but we're, we're there. We're close. The team's good. It's this division's gonna come down to the end. I mean, I, I think it's gonna be a really fun pennant chase. Everyone except Oakland's pretty much in it. Definitely. I think this is gonna be one of the more fun divisions to follow this year. And I know I'm a little bit biased given that we're Mariners fans and we follow the Mariners, but just based on how things have shaken out so far, I feel like this is gonna be a super competitive division. The the biggest takeaway for me is the gap between everyone else in Houston is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, Houston is one of us now. So they could still win the pennant, but I don't know, this is going to be a really fun season. I agree. It's up there for grabs. Okay, I do have a couple thoughts on Julio. So uh, we talked about how his ex-WOBA so far this year is a little bit better than it was even last year, despite the fact that his results haven't really played out in that way. I feel like it also is important to mention that his actual WOBA last year was about 30 points higher than his ex-WOBA. So even if his results end up playing um, closer to, even if his actual results end up hewing closer to his expected results, the overall outcome is going to be a slightly weaker performance than what we saw last year. But I mean, that's, okay, he was incredible last year, and I don't think it's really fair to hold him to that standard. And also, he could continue to improve, um, you know, in ways where he can outpace that. So, um, yeah, I think those are our thoughts. And in fairness to the one thing that I'll say is that StatCast doesn't fold in spray angle, so, like, the horizontal version of launch angle. Oh, okay. And, you know, what we were just kind of talking about is, like, if you look at his spray charts, the, basically the the only thing that's missing are all of the home runs to his bull side that are just way over the fence, which is like you know really significant. But I I think his ex woba probably is lower than his ex woba with spray angle spray spray angle folded in. Yeah, that's that's the last thing I have to say. I mean. Really, like it's it's uncanny how similar his his metrics look. I think he is so fine. I agree too. I I feel like the general consensus of the pod is Julio is fine uh, as much as people maybe want to 
be concerned. Uh, we'll see if that remains the case for our next... He might be a slow starter. Sorry to just sneak that in. He might be just a slow starter. Yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, That was it, last year, that was this year. He had a notorious slow start last year, and I think a lot of people chalked it up to him getting squeezed by umpires. I think there was a lot of work that went into people looking at the zone he was getting, and it seemed like he was getting kind of an unfair shake uh, in terms of balls and strike calls. But uh, I, I feel like his performance early last year goes a little bit deeper than that. It's not really... Uh, 100% accounted for by uh, bad umpiring. So, yeah, you're totally right, Day. It's entirely possible that maybe he's just not, he's not an April guy. I don't blame him. April's probably one of my least favorite months. So, you know, that's fine. Okay. Another hitter we should discuss Teoscar Hernandez. Um, scuffling lately, at least allegedly. You know, my general vibe, not digging into the numbers, just watching him play. God, he's striking out a lot, and a lot of his swings and misses have looked pretty sloppy. It seems like he's whiffing a lot, just anecdotally. And yeah, you know, I went back and looked at when he has hit his home runs, and that's just home runs. You know, that's that's not all of his batted ball events, but all but one of his home runs, from what I can tell, have come in situations where the runs from his home runs didn't matter. So unfortunately, he's suffering from a little bit of anti-clutchness to me. But um, what do you guys think about Teoscar's season so far? Do you think he, like Julio, uh, is destined for better results than we've seen so far? Doesn't he need to like swing less? I thought I read that somewhere. I think Depoto said that a couple of days ago. He's like swinging more than he's ever had. I would buy that. <sighs> Let's see. I think, hmm, wow, I'm looking at his numbers. He's seeing 43.8% breaking stuff. That would be the highest of any hitter last year. So, I mean, like, I I would have I, I done this all along, you know, if I was a, a pitcher is, is throw uh, Teoscar Hernandez more breaking stuff because he's, he's definitely a fastball hitter. That's not to say that he can't hit breaking stuff but if i had the choice of throwing a fastball or, or a breaker i'm gonna throw a breaker the counter argument to that is that his ex woba is only 14 points down from last year it's his woba that's down 51 points and i think we talked about kind of pre-pod like we don't want to this to be a a a, a podcast of looking at the differential between WOBA, like actual and, and expected stats, because that's lazy analysis. It's not interesting. Um, anyone can do that. Um, but I think, I think Dave's right. Like, yeah, I think not being so aggressive, swinging less, like, yeah, his swing percentage is up 4% from what it was at last year. Um, so he's definitely a little swing happier. Really, we're seeing the Ks come against fastballs this year. So, yeah, I guess I just tend to wonder, like, if if the, like, pitch sequencing is, is really getting him. But, you know, overall, it's the same thing. Like, when he's getting the bat on the ball, he's doing a ton of damage. Uh, he's not swinging and missing, like, that much more, but enough more where, like, I think it's it's really affecting him. So, I don't know. 
people make me feel like an optimist and I, I don't feel like honestly that that is is true but I think he's seeing an unprecedented bump like eight percent bump and and breaking pitch from last year to this year and I think it's going to take some time to adjust but overall like his his barrels per plate appearance is only down 0.5 percent so I I think we'll see the K percentage become manageable again I think he'll be all right. It just sucks for now. Well, let, let me ask you guys this. Will he be worth more than Eric Swanson and $13 million in cash? I hope so. <laughs> I would say almost definitely. I mean, it depends. <laughs> the sticky part is kind of the value of $13 million in cash. I don't know. Maybe you want to quantify that. Well, and then they, did, they signed Kiermaier after that. Right. Add that into right. Who's playing pretty good? Ah, God. I mean, I just feel like the upside on Teoscar is just so much higher. Uh, and given that he is going to be in positions to influence the game so much more than Eric Swanson will be, uh, I, I just really have to hope. Well, this bullpen doesn't really need Eric Swanson. So that's a great point, too. So it's like, what did we what's the opportunity cost of losing Eric Swanson? It's a little bit less to us than it might be of what another team gains by having him. So yeah, you know, measuring who won and lost trade is always complicated for that reason. But I think the worst part about this is though, is if this continues, we probably aren't keeping Teoscar. And that, that to me is mm. going to suck because the, the ARB hearings were already terrible. He's off to a kind of a shitty start. Like, why would he want to stay? Yeah, that is too bad. Um, I don't know. I can just say I'm rooting for him. He's another guy that has, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just easily charmed by baseball players, but he has an incredible smile, too. He's up there in the Eric Thames Hall of Fame of infectious smiles. They, they both have strong beards. Yeah, maybe that's more what I'm, what I'm latching on to. Well, Thames' beard is like, that's, yeah, he's, he's at the top. But Teoscar has a pretty solid beard. Okay, we have time for one of these two things. I'll let you guys decide on the fly. We can either continue to talk about hitters, to talk about uh, Eugenio Suarez, or we can move on to Matt Brash. So uh, what is going to be the lesser wow. of two evils here? Would we rather talk about Matt Brash kind of... Blowing it in a couple of high leverage situations, or a Eugenio also kind of blowing it in some high leverage situations. I think we can do an abridged version of one. Okay, we can we can do a short version of a Eugenio if uh, if you guys have any thoughts on what you've seen from him so far. Yeah, um, I think you know when I think about guys. So for <laughs> first of all. What percentile do you think he ranks in uh, outs above average? Um, uh, God, I, I kind of know the answer already, so maybe I'll let Day answer. Wait, who do we choose? Uh, a percentile for Eugenio Suarez's oh, wow. outs above average. Uh, you, you didn't pick Matt Brash. <laughs> <laughs> you coward. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh... What was what was your guess, Dustin? Well, I kind of already know the answer, so I'm gonna let you go first. 
Uh, 40%. 100th percentile. I'm going to guess. Oh, God damn it. I'm going to guess one under what Day said. <laughs> then you lose. What? He just said. <laughs> Rats. <laughs> Darn. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. That that has nothing to do with this hitting. I am legitimately worried about him. I don't know. He's hitting a lot of ground balls, which he hasn't done a ton of before. Like, hasn't done this since 2016. Uh, and I don't know. Like, it's just batted ball. Like, it's the opposite of Teoscar and Julio. Where his batted ball quality is just worse. And... He's also seen an uptick in breaking stuff, but he's also seen an uptick in fastballs. Uh, he's just not seeing off-speed uh, pitches anymore. And so I don't I don't see something where it's like, oh, like there's not like a reason, which is a little more <laughs> troubling than if we could actually point to something. According to Alex Chamberlain's leaderboard, like he's he is doing as much damage to the ball as he was last year. But and that's what spray angle folded in but sometimes the numbers are kind of wonky here i think most importantly is dynamic hard hit percentage has fallen from 18.5 percent to 9.7 uh and his blast percentage is down too so like he's just legitimately not when you look at hard hit percentage like it's it's not always a hard hit ball i could go on a tangent about this for probably 10 minutes all that is to say he's just not hitting the ball as hard so even though his his exit velo numbers are pretty good, it's because he's hitting balls at launch angles that are easier to hit hard, which means ground balls, you know, which lines up with the ground ball percentage going up. So I'm legitimately worried. I don't know. Um, I really didn't think that regression would come fast for him. So I still feel okay about him, but it is it is troubling. And I think Zach DeBall made a good point in the discord saying um someone had said you know yeah the batted ball stuff is is probably some percentage uh worse and zach was like yeah but he strikes out 30 percent of the time so those batted balls matter more for him than it does for someone who like he has to make them count more than than other people i was about to go on a a a line of reasoning that was opposite to what i was trying to say um no i think i get it if he has fewer like batted ball events or balls in play that just uh really emphasizes the quality of his contact oh there you go no i was going i was i was going down the right path yeah so it is 10 55 people um yeah i think i think it's troubling um and i think he has not hit breaking Hey, any thoughts on uh, Eugenio? Have you had the chance to look at his socials? Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we're we're coming up on time here, so I think that might mean that we should table the Matt Brash discussion for another episode. Either he will continue to piss off this fan base, and this will be right for discussion another time or he'll write the ship and it will turn out that we didn't need to talk about it anyway so i think that is a problem that kind of solves itself unless you guys have any you know scalding hot matt rash takes that you like really want to talk about right now before we close 
Ahenio does not smile with his tongue. Are you eating? <laughs> oh yeah, just it's apple time. It's it's ten fifty seven. Yeah, that's true. Dude, when the clock strikes ten fifty seven, you need your fiber before bed. You got a crunch. Exactly. Who are you, exactly. Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> if you don't need an apple before you go to sleep, your morning, your morning, you're gonna have fucked up poops. Exactly. I get that. Dietary fiber? Yes. yes. I'm trying to get more fiber in my life. Mikey's just been out here eating like red meat all day, so I know what his poops are like. Don't say that. Don't stop. Well, stop telling people these fake news. I know what you ate. I know what you ate. So I have, I think we can flesh it out more next pod. I have quick thoughts. Ready? Get it. Yes, please. As a reliever last year, Matt Brash, 12.6% walks. As a reliever this year, 7.4 walks. The the issue has been his command, like that. That's what people are mad about. <laughs> his K minus, I always say K minus walks, which doesn't really, strikeout minus walk percentage last year as a reliever, 21.3%. This year's 34.6%. He's been a way better pitcher. His his barrel percentage per per plate appearance last year is 2.7. It's 1.2 this year. You can point to his XWO bacon, which is 440, but it doesn't really matter because like I talked about last I don't know, one 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 episode and recently uh, he doesn't allow balls into play ever. Like his ball and play percentage for his both of his pitches are like below 10%, which I've never seen before. I actually had a search query pulled up earlier. He's like, in terms of balls and play percentage, like the fifth lowest in MLB. So though that the like the XWO bacon might look ugly, but it doesn't really matter if he never lets balls into play. Um, and you can say, like, yeah, he, you know, is like a hot mess when it comes to his command. But one, I don't really think that's true outside of today. And also his walk percentage is half of what it was last year. So I guess there's the eye test, but I just I I really, really don't get it, especially when he ranks so highly in all these stats that we're just going to talk about next week. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not pretty to watch the, you know, him not really throw as many strikes as he maybe was last year, but he's basically only throwing strikes and balls, <laughs> which I know sounds weird. Uh, but I, I mean, not balls in play. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, what else could he throw? <laughs> the secret third thing. Yeah. It's time for starter brash, baby. Oh God, please. People it's time so for mad. starter brash experiment. Let's replace the boring lefty with the exciting Matt brash. Let him stretch it out. Okay. Well, thank you too for joining me on this episode i think it's about time for us to wrap up so i have been dustin ryan you can find me at dustin j ryan on twitter you can find day on twitter at day jr and you can find mikey on twitter at underscore kuya mikey of course you can find the podcast on itunes on stitcher apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and uh once again please join the discord Join the Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash Seattle. Thank you so much for listening. Go eat an apple 
and go Mariners.